Welcome to Deadball Brothers. Did I already peek it? Did I already, did I already mess it up? No. Is it, I are think, we good? I think we're good. Sick. Yeah. Um, this is a podcast, apparently, because uh, me and uh, my partner in crime, Drew. Uh, Drew. I am Drew. Uh, are white males, and we have nothing else to do. Uh, my it's name is Adam Whitaker Snavely. I am uh, the least reputable, reputable writer for The Athletic, uh, in addition to having a byline that includes uh, a couple of SB Nation sites, Stars and Stripes FC. Been talking, been talking and writing about the soccer for a while now. Uh, pod, uh, podcast guest spots include Total Soccer Show a couple times. Heck Love yeah. Love those guys. Love those guys. Shouts out Daryl and Taylor. Uh, with me is my 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 real life my IRL brother, Drew yes. Snavely. Yes, thank you for the introduction. Drew, uh, would you like to tell the the people the seven people that will be listening to this uh, <laughs> your credentials? To my be credentials. To them? Um, where to begin? Um, casual soccer fan. Uh, love love soccer though. Um, I coached a a U twelve team one time one summer. Um, it was a brief stint. Uh, but team won the league, um, and so I retired while I was at the top, and so I decided to call it quits after that. You you basically you did what Ole should have done. Yes, yes. <laughs> you, you had after, the you had the ideal Ole Gunnar Solskjaer path. Yes, after he won the first eight games or however many it was, he um, should have just hung up his manager pen and. Uh, let it go. Let it, let it go. But here we are. But here, here we are. Um, man, pray for United. Uh, Drew, uh, Drew's a United fan, so uh, any any Manchester United slander or hate you want to send our way, just... Uh, direct it all to me. Direct it all to him. And I will affirm it. <laughs> um, yes. We'll probably, be on, we'll probably be on the same boat, so... Sick. Completely fine. Um, so... Deadball Brothers as a uh, as as a concept and as a podcast um, basically arose out of me and Drew thinking that uh, each other was funny, uh, and we're two arrogant people enough to think that hey maybe other people would enjoy listening to us being funny, um, but we both love soccer and we wanted to do something, and so we said all right what if we what if we did a podcast and what does that look like. Um, and so we kind of, kind of. I mean, there's a billion soccer podcasts out there. A lot. Um, there's there a lot. A lot. Of, there's a lot of soccer yeah. podcasts. Um, so kind of taking cues from a couple of podcasts and kind of mixing that up, uh, talking about soccer stuff that's happening. Um, also finding some relevant, fun soccer history, 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 historical Stop. stories, <laughs> uh, and. Uh, regaling each other with some odd tales from a oh, uh, soccer past. There are some doozies. <laughs> there are some. So today I'm telling today I am I am telling a story to Drew and that'll be uh that'll be later on in the podcast. But uh but first but first we, we have a uh, we have other we have current contemporary Man, soccer to talk about. A lot about. of stuff is going on right Man. now in the world of, of soccer. Soccer is happening. Or football if you will. Uh, no. No no it's <laughs> Not here in America. <laughs> Hell no. <laughs> it's soccer, man. It's soccer, baby. This is a soccer um, podcast. Yeah. So we want to get into the Women's World Cup. Uh, there's a lot of of games going on right now. Because that <laughs> yeah. happens in the Women's World Cup. <laughs> I'm familiar with the, uh, with the so tournament. We know, we know how to do this. 
<laughs> expert uh. podcasters. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, we can. Uh, we Let's can talk just, about Brazil. You want to talk about Brazil? Of man. course, man. Heart still bleeding. You're not even giving us time to. Blood on the field. Jeez, blood on Marta's lips. Um, and I love her for it. Yeah, honestly, Marta can uh, do no wrong. No, what, uh, what a career. So, so for those of you who don't know, um, if you don't follow me on Twitter, um, uh, or haven't seen this, uh, Drew and I, our our mother is from Brazil. Um, she was born and raised there. Portuguese is her first language. Um, so, like the family and us have always been like Brazil fans. In addition to being United States fans, we've always kind of cheered for the two teams equally. The, it's a, yeah, it's a nice, nice team to keep in the back pocket. Yeah, yeah, it's a, a little, a little South American powerhouse to fall back on. <laughs> so for the women's side, it's like, oh, we have we have the American team, and then we're like, oh yeah, we can also cheer for Brazil. And then for the men's side, it's like, oh, we have Brazil team, and yeah, yeah we can also cheer for America. <laughs> no, uh, I, I the only time I can think of that like we have cheered for like one team over the other specifically was a different women's world cup in 2011 2011 world cup 2011 women's world cup yes germany when brazil spent the entire game like super time wasting yeah. And then Abby Wambach Man. scored that goal Gosh. in like the 122nd minute. That was incredible. I have never I've never like that's that's still like the coolest soccer moment I've ever had. Just to uh get our hearts broken uh the next round when we lost to Japan. Oh, we lost to Japan in the final. final. Yeah. So that was that was like the quarterfinal. Yeah. And we beat I think we beat France in the semis. That yeah. year. But but yeah. I mean like but but yeah, like we cheer for Brazil our entire lives. Yeah, I remember watching. You were probably, I was seven, so you were like th- probably three. I remember watching the World Cup final in 1998, Brazil against France with mom. It was just us two because we were at uh, Letourneau. Oh, <laughs> this this uh, this this <laughs> summer camp on uh, the shores of Lake Canandaigua, oh, scenic man. upstate New York. Um, Beautiful. And the one, the one place that had cable in the entire camp was the cook's house. And my mom was like, I need to find a way <laughs> to watch the World Cup final. And so the cook invited her over, and so we were watching it. Uh, and that also didn't turn out well for Brazil. Uh, but I, I am proud. I, I, I am proud of Brazil going out there and doing what they did against France, who are, who are one of the tournament favorites. Yeah. Yeah, they um, they really left their hearts out on the field, um, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure they left behind a couple of France's shin bones and they, ankles. Um, chippy was a word to you to be to to, to describe the play. Yes, uh, being it was put rough on display. out there. It was rough out there. But um, you know what? When when you're still starting for Miga, man. What who, a legend. who will still be playing when she's 67 years old and her 16th World Cup? You deserve it. Um, yeah. yeah. I, also, I also hope Cristiani's okay. Oh my goodness. Yes. If I could that donate was, my attendance to her, I would. I, I was kind of indifferent towards the in- injury because obviously it's terrible that when you see that happen to any athlete. But 
I mean, what was she doing taking that shot from the half field? <laughs> I mean, let's be, let's be real. She was trying to Carly Lloyd it, I like, bro. I like to think that um, if her quad didn't explode when she took the oh shot, gosh. that uh, it would have reached the goal uh, in the air and, like, been a good shot on target. Um, but, man, it was uh, it looked to be, like, a promising counter, and it felt wasted when she uh, took it that did, shot. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there, there was definitely – she was trying to – play hero ball there uh but yeah i i think that ultimately like the better team won and um var which was brazil's best friend on the day oh my goodness uh after they took away that that early france goal that was just like clearly a goal <laughs> uh, uh uh yeah i i think i mean like for all the talking points you, you still see france win i do i do question France and their midfield a little bit more now than I was going into a potential game of the United States. They haven't played, the United States hasn't played their uh, their round of 16 match as of yet. Uh, yeah, hoping that the U.S. can uh, take care of business against Spain. Um, which I, I think they will. I don't they, think Spain is good. Yeah, we shouldn't have a problem with that. Uh, knock on wood. But... Uh, don't knock on wood. The mic picks it up. <laughs> the way mic too picks well. up everything. <laughs> Sorry, I cannot knock on the table. Um, yeah, I think that this result will provide a much more entertaining matchup. Oh, the game's going to be crazy. Yeah. Provided the United States beats Spain, which they it's should. which they should. They, I mean, it, the United States scored 18 goals in the group stage. You should beat Spain. Like, the, the Spain team isn't, like, they have a couple of, like, they, they've got a couple of good players, but by and large, they are not great, and they haven't played great in this tournament so far. Yeah, yeah, they haven't. I actually haven't uh, seen any of their games, but just based off the results that they've um, yielded, it hasn't been anything showy or flashy. Yeah, Uh South Africa really played them very tough for long stretches. Um, it's not good. No. <laughs> Eventually, Spain pulled it out when they, they, they picked up a 3-1 victory. Germany beat them 1-0, and then they, they tied 0-0 with China. Uh, and, they, and, and they're kind of a weird team because they have a couple of players that it's just like, ah, like – if it comes off for you, like you, yeah. you, you can, you can, this, this should be like, this should be within, well, this should be within your grasp. Like you should be able to stay on the same field, but I, I don't know if I see it happening for Spain against yeah. the United States. I mean, it's world cup. Anything can happen. Uh, pressure is going to be on the U S to clearly to win. And so it's going to be one of the, t- one of those types of games where Spain's going to be defending the whole time. Um, and try to, to steal the game at the end. Um, but like we said, they should take care of business, and we should get a very, very entertaining match. And, yeah, you have France versus the United States yeah. in Paris. In the quarterfinals. That's That feels like a final. It feels like a final. Uh, but I, I, think, I think a lot is going to ride on the midfield battle. Like... In in terms in terms of looking at the two squads and and yes, getting ahead of ourselves and, and casters, podcasters, curse, whatever. <laughs> um, 
but you look at the two squads and kind of how they have been playing things. Uh, and France obviously is a team that's kind of built around Amadine Henri, um, who who picked up the winning goal yeah. tonight. Yeah. Um, and then they have a couple of like the the people that are you know your your rock solid center backs that that they they definitely heavily rely on um in renard uh and babby um and that those those are those are people that 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 france is is really going to rely on and but that midfield battle between france um and then the united states especially if the united states is is really really committed to playing like as many attacking players as possible as they have been like they're they're playing their their midfield of like Haran, Samantha Mewis, uh, Rose Lavelle, yeah. Crystal Dunn is playing left back and then kind of pushing up into the midfield. Yeah, when uh, when Crystal Be- uh, Crystal Dunn is your left back, life is good. <laughs> Life's pretty decent <laughs> when you're attacking. When you yeah yeah, I mean Crystal Crystal Dunn has played left back for like her club and like college career too. That, that, I mean, pretty much everybody that has that has said anything about Crystal Dunn has always said she can play like every single possession on the field. Yeah, I love to see her attack personally. I mean, like I would love to see her on the wing or or even pushed up a forward because I think that that's where she is best used. Yeah, I guess I kind of get what Jill Ellis is doing. It's a little bit of a. It's it's almost like a reverse burr halter or the inverse halter. The inverse halter. <laughs> <laughs> with with the, the yes. left back pushing up into yes. the midfield kind of thing. Oh man. Yeah. I think for me the the biggest matchup will be um Renard versus Alex Morgan because she kinda took a beating against um Sweden. She did we, when we were playing them and they really limited her. Um and they got her out of the game because they didn't want to get her hurt, obviously, and they're playing really physical on her. But I wouldn't be surprised to see France step in and try to do the same thing. Yeah, because uh, it proved to be effective. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And, and it got Alex Morgan off the pitch. Yeah, um, which and you know hopefully that she is she kind of um, it seemed like she had picked up a knock. Yeah, uh, and uh, missed the last game. Hopefully, and and Jill Ellis said it was kind of precautionary. Yeah, so hopefully everything everything is good to go and, and it won't affect her too much but yeah i mean france france has the center backs to to take alex morgan out of the game i think samantha muse is going to be like a big key player for the u.s you Sam- think she starts i think that if jill ellis wants to succeed in the attack she starts okay i i, I think that samantha muse adds a dimension to the u.s passing game that is lacking when she's not there cool yeah. So I mean, like that, that and that, and that's just like the long and the short of it. I think, I think if Samantha Muse can get out and like really like influence the game, the U.S. will succeed. Yes, that is usually a very good thing for a center midfielder to do. Okay. Well, yeah, you, well. you know. Okay. All right. <laughs> listen, listen here. <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> I think we'll uh, take a break from the uh, Women's World Cup. Hopefully, we'll. Get back. We'll be returning. We'll, we'll be returning. We'll be returning. I'll, I'll give you a little hint on what the story is about because Drew doesn't know what oh, the story is about. But okay. but we'll be returning to the Women's World Cup in a way. All right. Well, that um, that gets me all kinds of excited and worked up. It uh, sounds like <laughs> it. It's just oozing out of the microphone. You're 
Yeah, I can. It's palpable. Yes, yes. Um, let's move on to the World Cup. I mean, not the World Cup. That's let's what move we away just from did. the World Cup. Let's move away from the World Cup to the Gold Cup. Because oh, uh, we have the uh, U.S. men's national team competing for their lives in. Uh, well, they've well they've advanced. The group of death. The, g- uh, <laughs> the Gold Cup group of death. The gold- A classic. Every, every expert has been saying that it's the hardest group. Uh, <laughs> I I mean they're kind of correct I guess. Oh, are, are they actually saying that? I was just kind of making. A joke I mean, on on paper, yeah, it's it's probably the hardest group. What? How do you pronounce that first that first team that we faced? Guyana. 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 Yeah. Guyana. Fun <laughs> facts: only South American team in Concacaf. They're technically oh, they're, they're technically in South America. Oh. But they're, like, super landlocked away from the rest of South America. Okay. They don't speak Spanish there. Oh. And they just have, like, culturally, they're very much more similar to other Caribbean nations. So you're telling me that all these trivia questions about <laughs> Brazil being the only South American country that doesn't speak Spanish are, are wrong, technically. I kind of, yeah. <laughs> oh. kind of that's that's what i'm telling you uh yeah it, it is it's english it's they speak english there that is world shattering for me well <laughs> welcome uh, yeah guyana it's it's very very tiny it it's kind of wedged in between venezuela and uh suriname um cool little geography lesson cool little uh, cool little fun facts yeah uh so yeah, we, we played Guyana. Guyana for large stretches wasn't like a good game. Finally, I th- I, I really think the only thing, the only sp- player that I felt like came out of it positively was Weston McKinney. and even he had kind of an up and down game. He had a couple of spots where he was <clears throat> losing possession a little too easily, but he was also one of the only U.S. players that was like consistently breaking lines in the attack with his passing. Um, he, he picked up the assist to Paul Areola for the opening goal. Um, oh, and Tyler Boyd. Tyler Boyd definitely came out of it pretty well. I don't know how you're leaving the GOAT, Jossie Zardes, off. Okay, uh, well, you know. Off for that game. Off for that game I when mean, he scored off his face. That face goal. The face goal. World class. <laughs> uh, world class positioning. Uh, <laughs> he just knew exactly where he to knew be. knew where to be. And you can't teach that. <laughs> <laughs> there are just some things you can't teach. There's just some things you can't um, teach. And he was in the right place when that that shot got deflected straight to his face. And um, I yeah. loved his celebration where it was just like he was like he was celebrating, but he was clearly in pain. Oh, <laughs> it was like, man. ow. <laughs> oh man! And then we had a of a Trinidad and Tobago game, yeah. which started similarly in terms of the game being a little sluggish. Trinidad and Tobago definitely came out to defend. It was interesting because Guyana and Trinidad definitely approached the game differently. Guyana pressed. Um, Guyana was yes. pressing the U.S. Making pretty pretty out. well, especially in the beginning, and they were suffocating Michael Bradley as soon as he got the ball. And really, like Michael Bradley had had a trash game. Like he he was he was struggling to deal with the press. It kind of became clear that he didn't have the help that he needed. Yeah, I was going to say uh, the one thing that did stand out to me was I know that everybody loves to hate on Michael Bradley. It's every American soccer fan's favorite pastime. <laughs> uh, but he, the 
the defenders were clearly passing the ball to him uh, and Guyana clearly knew that that was kind the, of the plan GGG's or not GGG uh, Greg Greg Verhalter's uh, no it is GGG it is GGG yeah because it's Greg with three G's oh yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it's triple G yeah for that for the center defensive mid to drop back um, but so he was getting step two before the ball even got yeah, to him. Yeah, it was, and, and it was not being like picked up on by the center backs either. Yeah, it, it, it was I, a there was a mess there. Yeah, it felt like the team was doing <clears throat> a, a poor job for um, giving him a quick outlet pass. Yeah, um, it, and it felt weird too because like with with Berhalter's whole <laughs> the system system <laughs> uh, trademark symbol, um, <laughs> the entire thing was. You, the right back shifts up into the midfield in possession. Yes. Um, and becomes kind of like that helper for the for the for the the central midfielder that's kind of the lone defensive mid. Quotation marks. Yes. Um, that's the only reason that Tyler Adams plays right back for Greg Berhalter. Like, and why they had him listed as a defender. I know, and I know, and I know, and I know <laughs> you're Drew shaking his head. <laughs> <laughs> and we're laughing about it because it was just like, what if we just played him at defensive midfield? Uh, Red Bull even. Uh, I know. The, they, oh, they it was got, so funny. Red at, Red Bull ethered uh, U.S. Soccer Twitter account um, as a defender. Tyler Adams as a defender? Question <laughs> mark. Um, but everybody's the, like, yes, <laughs> thank you. The whole the whole reason you have him there, I mean, like, and it's it feels a little galaxy brain, but the whole reason you have him there is uh, that he's supposed to shift up into the midfield, and that's, especially in, like, possession, that's where he's, like, very useful, and also, yeah. like, kind of defending any counterattacks. The weakness of that being if somebody breaks down on that side where he has stepped up from, there's a lot of space there that you're asking either Walker Zimmerman or Matt Miazga to cover. Um, so it felt like... Especially against Guyana, Nick Lima was really getting sandwiched off to the right side and not really stepping into the midfield or centrally very much. Yeah. Um, and so and and Michael and it really felt like Michael Bradley like had two people on him and and he Michael Bradley first of all doesn't have like the supreme athleticism to get out of that situation, um, and number two. Uh, he also didn't have options to get out of this situation. Yeah. So, so the U.S. struggled. And eventually um, the deadlock was, was broken. Um, Weston McKinney getting a little bit more involved in the game. I think that as Weston McKinney got on the ball more, the U.S. saw more success. Yeah. Yeah, um, also, Tyler Boyd just – here's the reason why people like Tyler Boyd and why I like Tyler Boyd. Tyler Boyd gets the ball and he's like, "All right, I'm going to shoot it." Like, <laughs> yeah. it was like, and and it, and it works. Like, it. it worked. Like, and hey, like sometimes, especially against Concacaf teams, you just got to do it. Like, yeah. just shoot the ball. You never know what's going to happen. Trinidad and Tobago came out in a very low block, so kind of the opposite game plan from what Guyana did. Um, Michael Bradley had much more time on the ball, but the first half was kind of still like drudging around a little bit. Christian Pulisic had some sloppy touches in the first half. Um, made a couple nice defensive plays. Um, and then obviously you also had the goal, a very nice cross uh, to Aaron Long in that first half. And it didn't really like, it wasn't, but it, w it still wasn't like a convincing in any way at yeah. halftime. Yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> Only up 1-0 against uh, 
very, very. I know that they beat us. Everybody knows that they beat Every, us. Everybody knows that they beat us. I don't need to 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 open any um, healing wounds, but um, they're clearly uh, the player pool that they have to select from is inferior to the U.S. And so the U.S. shouldn't you know struggle against teams like that. You know, um, tell them. Hey, <laughs> I mean, and we still did, which we is did. which is a our own little soccer miracle that we have in this country. Credit to them, but shame on us. <laughs> yeah, in indeed, credit to them, but shame on us. I like that because <laughs> you don't want to take away from from what they were trying to do. No, I mean, they played well. No, especially I mean, like if we're talking and when we're talking Cuba, like I think about that. Like there was that goal that Jorge Villafania had backed off the guy, like significantly because he didn't really have any options and the guy just decides to hammer it from like 35 yards away and happens to score the goal of his life (laughs) like like you get like you get one of those and he chose that night to do it like that that was that was his one yeah um coming out of halftime a couple of good adjustments really helped the u.s um you had nick lima step a little bit further up into the midfield you had tyler boyd pull back a little bit off of the top line and the resulting like bodies in the midfield freed up Pulisic a little bit more to do his thing, and then he just ran game, Wh- which is which is what you want to see you, him do. Yeah, from your best player, um, that's what he needs to be doing <laughs> every yeah, game. Yes, he needs to be the best player every game yes. for us to be successful, if, especially <laughs> especially with this with this player pool. Like realistically, yeah. if the U.S. wants to be a team that is considered a team at the top of CONCACAF, like, indisputably. Christian Pulisic needs to have that type of game all the time. He needs to be that guy. And he showed it against Trinidad and Tobago. It didn't show up as much of against Guyana. Yeah. So, positive, and it seems like the U.S. is building confidence. Still not convinced. Yeah. Definitely growing into the tournament. Um, I know Michael Bradley kind of talked about that. Um <laughs> the, the first game is never the best game of the right. tournament. If if it is the best game, then something's wrong. Um, so it it is good to see that we played better against Trinidad and Tobago than we did against Guyana. Um, because Trinidad and Tobago is nominally a better team. I yeah. mean, I guess, I guess we'll see. Like, Guyana and Trinidad and Tobago still haven't played yet, so <laughs> yes, <laughs> we, we don't know for sure. That is true. Uh, maybe Guyana's cooking something spicy up and we don't know about. Um, oh, man. Actually, and Guyana played Panama pretty tight for a little bit there. Um, so, who knows? Maybe. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's been rough for Trinidad and Tobago. They've lost, they've lost both games 4 nothing uh, right. against both the United States and Panama. Uh, you hate to see it. And <laughs> you hate to see it. Guyana only <laughs> lost 2 nothing to Panama. So maybe we're, maybe we're looking at it wrong. Maybe Guyana is... The better team. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. Only time will tell, I guess. Uh, Real quick, let's talk about Curacao. Oh, okay. Yeah. You you really want to talk about them. Well, they won their first Gold Cup game. Yeah. That's dope. And they they did it by knocking Honduras out of the tournament. Uh, Yeah, I don't think that Honduras can... I don't think they can. Uh, Let me check that. Maybe I'm wrong. No, 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 no. They can't. Because only the, the top yeah, two teams. Yeah, yeah, Honduras is definitely out. <coughs> They're super um, out. To not take away from their first ever Gold Cup victory, 
Um, how about you, real quick, go through the All Star list of team names? Oh my God! That we have. I love the names on Curacao's team. <laughs> Curacao. <laughs> yes, Jarzinho, Peter, Zeus, De La Paz. Zeus. <laughs> Uh, what was another one? Jafar Arias. <laughs> they got they got Jafar on their team, man. Man, I mean, <laughs> how can you not cheer for them? My favorite one, and with with all these, I don't I don't know how to pronounce these names because Curacao is like is a is a Dutch is a former Dutch colony, a Dutch island. So Dutch is is what they speak, but also clearly like a bunch of other caribbean influences so i don't know how to pronounce his name but there is a person on their team named jim bertson vapor <laughs> like it, it it literally looks like the the american names jim and bert with a son attached to the end and that whole thing is the first name honestly it sounds kind of icelandic <laughs> jim yeah jim bertson <laughs> yeah. you just switch it it's yeah. the, the little naming traditions <laughs> yeah <laughs> his dad's name is jim bert <laughs> Jim Bertson, son of Jim Bert. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the Vapors and their naming tradition. <laughs> oh, uh, man. Man, shouts to Curacao. Shouts to Curacao, and uh, they have... How are you guys? We, we really are. I am. I don't know about you. Uh, they have one more uh, group stage game left. and With a chance to? With a chance to qualify. Because the they have to... Uh, 16. Martinique. Oh, wait. No, that's not the right. I don't think that's the right. No. Martinique is in a different group. What I meant to say was uh, it's Jamaica and El Salvador currently top the group uh, with four points apiece. Uh, Curacao is right behind them with three. And Honduras has zero. Uh, so El Salvador and Jamaica tied. Zero zero, um, and now Curacao. As my phone goes off, that's great for the audio. Curacao has to pull out a result against Jamaica, and then Honduras and El Salvador play against each other. Which Honduras and El Salvador uh, will actually probably be kind of a crazy game, uh, just because I feel like those two teams like are similar enough and don't like each other enough. That that that's just going to be like a little bit of like a slice of Concacaf wildness. Yes, that's going to oh, be good. Man. That's the best kind of wildness. So yeah, the best kind of slice. <laughs> that's that loud. I'm trying to get <laughs> Jamaican Jamaican Curacao is definitely favored for Jamaica. But hey, Curacao already shocked the world once. Hey, maybe uh, maybe they can do it again. And El Sal they played El Salvador tight too. El Salvador only beat them one nothing. Yeah, and El Salvador just tied Jamaica zero zero. So. Hey, by transitive property. by the transitive property, uh, which we all know <laughs> is the is the gospel truth in the world of soccer. By the transitive property, Curacao. this should be a close game. <laughs> we'll be beating Jamaica. Curacao over Jamaica. Write it in sharpie. Oh, Get it done. All right. Uh, was there anything else from the Gold Cup? That I think I think the Gold Cup's done. I th I, I think right. we're uh, yeah. shots to Canada. Canada is actually advancing to the uh, the, the knockout round. Um, finally, uh, Canada Can Canadian soccer has been rough for a long, long time. Men's soccer. Canadian men's soccer. Yes, the, the Canadian women's team is is good. They're not as good this year per se. They're usually ballers. But they're usually ballers. Christine Sinclair is one of the best soccer players in the world, men or women. 
fight me. Uh, <laughs> um, Canada, right? Actually, Canada is playing as we speak. They're currently beating Cuba six to nothing. Um, Cuba has had at least four players defect during the tournament. Yeah, which is a, a time-honored Gold Cup tradition. Yes. Um, Wouldn't be a Gold Cup without players defecting. I don't think uh, it happened. I don't think it happened in uh, 2015. I don't think any players defected. Oh, really? Yeah, the one, the one when we actually watched the U.S. play Cuba because we oh, were there. Yeah, we were yeah. there in Baltimore that game, and we watched oh, the doubleheader yeah, between. Right. We it was the United States and Cuba, and then Haiti and Jamaica. Jamaica, yeah. And the Haitian fans were sick. They were lit, man. We were Haiti fans that night. Yeah, we were. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah. So hopefully those guys, uh, those defectors can. Uh... I mean, yeah, it, it's it's obviously complicated like yeah probably I don't, don't need to get into I, it there's there's no need to get into it like like we yeah. don't we we don't know nearly enough to to talk about their decision and, and what they're doing with their lives uh, yeah. but yeah canada canada is advancing to the group stage uh or to the knockout rounds uh, or at least uh i guess martinique technically could overtake them um if they were to beat Mexico. Uh, but now that Canada has, like, crushed Cuba to this extent... Yeah, the goal differential is too much. The goal differential would be tough. It would, they would need to... Right now, they're, <laughs> they're needing to overcome a, a plus-nine goal differential. Uh, nine goal... Nine-nil versus Mexico. Well, actually, no, because if they were to do that, then Mexico's goal differential would sink. So, really, it's more like a plus five goal differential yeah. against Mexico. Easy, easy. Yeah. Easy for a country with four snakes on their flag. Yes. That was uh, Pablo um, yes. and Moore on Twitter. <laughs> it was just like, it was like, I love snakes. Give me more of them. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe it was George. It was one of those. Two. Both, I think both of them were like having a conversation. Oh, like, do it more. Do it three more times. <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> All right. We're good with Gold Cup. Gold Cup's done. Yeah. Um, was there anything that you wanted to get into from the international soccer world um, as far as club um, clubs are concerned, anything from the top European leagues, um, transfer rumors. Um, I, I will say one thing. Did you see the friggin' uh, the thing that they did to uh, Maurizio Sarri at that cathedral in Napoli? I did not. There was a... There was a the cathedral that has these like little figurines of like famous people. Uh-huh. And I guess Maurizio Sarri either had been there before or they put him in there, but they re- they had painted him so that he was wearing his Juventus tracksuit. Uh-huh. And then he has a bag that says 30 denarii on it, which is what the money that Judas <laughs> Judas oh, accepted for man. betraying Jesus. <laughs> I mean, Napoli is so salty about yeah, it. Yeah, you get it. I mean, Italians are crazy. <laughs> um, Italians are crazy. If I learn one thing, Italian okay, Italian fans are crazy. But they didn't do that to Pirlo. Pirlo played for everybody. <laughs> he, yeah, he you played right. for, for each big team in Italy. Uh, yeah, <laughs> he. he he was there. Everybody, lo- um, every- you gotta love Pirlo. But Everybody loves Pirlo. I mean, a national treasure. So I guess you can- it's impossible to be mad at him. Yeah, I mean, that dude is man, sniffing wine, like, like and a fine wine, like a fine, just getting better with age. 
<laughs> it just keeps going. Uh, shots to Pirlo. Uh, I love you, Pirlo. Yeah, the, I thought that was hilarious, though. Yeah, the that, friggin' the little Judas reference. It it will be sad uh, to to not see Sari anymore in the Premier League, um, sucking on his chewing fake, on his cigs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I guess just chewing on his cigarettes and not smoking them. Um, Does Sari uh, vape? He should. Is, for his is was Maurizio Sario like our first like millennial? <laughs> no, definitely not. He's definitely an old school <clears throat> chain smoker. Yeah, that's true. Uh, five packs a day. Yeah. Um, and it, it. But in his place, Frankie Lamps. Frank Lampard. NYCFC legend Frank Lampard. <laughs> Man City legend. Manchester Frank. City legend <laughs> Frank Lampard scored tens of goals. <laughs> Oh man, yeah. So that will be uh, that will be interesting to see uh, Christian Pulisic in that. Will he play? Probably because Chelsea's definitely getting transfer banned well, into the ground. It's definitely a plus for him to see Eden Hazard go to to Real. Right, they don't have Eden Hazard, so um, it's just William, Pedro, and and CHO. Well, Hudson if he's back, Adoy, from, if he's back from injury, I think he's out for. I think he's out for another six months. Or Is something. he really? Yeah, he's. Uh, that was a pretty nasty injury that he had. I could be wrong though. Um, but yeah, I it'll be uh, competitive uh, for for Pulisic to get playing time. But I think he should be able to find time with the thousand tournaments that uh, Chelsea will be in uh, next season, True. along with all the other Premier League teams that are playing European. Uh, European competitions, so that will be uh, that'll be good to watch. According to a extremely reputable and always correct site, The Sun. Oh, <laughs> love The Sun. Uh, Callum Hudson Odoi posted some positive recovery, like training photos. So maybe he's back. I I think I think that. Well, you want to know who else said that they were back, but they weren't Kevin Durant. <laughs> I, Take your time, Callum. Please make <laughs> don't sure that you're this. completely don't healed. Uh, that I mean, you don't want to see a heartbreaking, potentially career-altering. I mean, the injury that he currently has is a, it was ACL, right? He yeah. Tore his ACL. So I mean, yeah, there are a lot of people that um, don't come back the same from from that injury. So just make sure make sure you're all healed up, man. Yeah. Um, same to uh, Ruben Loftus Cheek. Yeah. True. Who, uh, Gave himself a legendary injury against the New England Revolution. <laughs> I'm just hoping that uh, Frankie Lampard uh, gives all those all those lads a a fair shake at. Um, I feel going like out and getting a starting spot. I feel like in in my heart of hearts, he's gonna take Ross Barkley and be like, "You're the next me." Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> We have to. We have to move on. We have to move we, on. We we have have to, to, that's, once, that's done. Once you start talking about Ross Barkley, you just need to move on. <laughs> um, Dude, FPL legend Ross Barkley. Oh my goodness! Yeah, all all five weeks <laughs> that he would he, that he scored uh, every other week, a, a brace every other week. Uh, man, crushing was, it. Let the record times. show that in uh, the Athletic Fantasy Premier League league that had like a thousand people in it. Drew and I finished the season top 100. We were both top 100, pretty sure. 
I know that I was top 100 for and that. I was literally like something like 10 points behind you. Yeah. You you beat me by like seven places. Yeah. Um, so Yeah, I was I was also top 100. A dub's yeah. a dub. I believe I was the second highest athletic staff member in the league. It's impressive. Uh, the highest being Jack Lang, who was, I believe, top 50. Uh, but shouts out to all the other athletic writers who I beat. Because um, they're the experts. Because they're the experts. And shouts out <laughs> to all of the people in the comments of my panic rankings every other week telling me that uh, I don't watch the games. Uh, jokes on you, <laughs> nerds. <laughs> <laughs> oh man well with uh with that humble brag uh we can transition to part two story time story you time have, you have a story time we'll take a break but um we'll come right back I'm tying it to uh, to things today, to things of note. To things of note, all right. And hopefully you learn something, we learn something, we have a good time, and uh, and you, you have a good time. All oh. of you listening out there. Yes, because that's who really matters. The listeners. I mean, we're kind of doing this for ourselves, but we're also doing it for you. <laughs> so, if you made it this far into the podcast, thank you for listening. Thank you so much. You have no idea. Let's do it. Let's right. get it. Yeah, let's dive in. The story begins in the year 1900. The year of our Lord. The year of our Lord, 1900. <laughs> Anno Domini. <laughs> Latin, by the way. Oh, nice. Um, 1900. Two Scotsmen by the name of William Bruce Dick and John Kerr. Yeah, get it out of the way now. Oh, You're man. going to be hearing the name, the word Dick a lot in this story. It is a name. Hey, our grandpa was named Dick. Shouts out to the Dicks out there. Shouts out to the Dicks out there. Uh, you probably have endured a lot of imbu- abuse just because of the name that your parents gave to you, and that's not your fault. That's not your fault. So... Keep on, keep on keeping on. Keep on dicking around. Keep on dicking around. <laughs> Anywho. <laughs> William Bruce Dick and John Kerr founded the company Dick Kerr and Company Limited. Of course they did. They were, <laughs> they were uh, visionaries yes. in Preston, England. Uh, the company was uh, primarily a plant for making electrical equipment um, for its like first decade or so. And this is like... Post like the second industrial revolution or the technological revolution. Okay. Um, so the main bulk of like what you think of when you think of the industrial revolution has happened, but we're getting to the point where like Upton Sinclair publishes The Jungle and like yeah. everybody's like, oh, like working in factories sucks. <laughs> Child <laughs> people, labor laws. People are dying. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like things, things are things are coming down the pipe soon. Yeah. Soon for this. So. They have this company has served primarily as a plant making electrical equipment for like its first decade or so. But uh, when you start to get into the 1910s, uh, dun dun dun, World War One mm. coming in like a big ugly bird, yeah. Um, so the plant, as like all factories did during like world wars, started producing things for the war effort. 
Um, and Dick Kerr, which our guy Dick, our guys, our guys Dick and Kerr, and their their company Dick Kerr. Yes, uh, Dicker. Oh no! We're just gonna call it DK. We're going with DK. DK, yeah. DK. Yeah, um, so, World War One starts rolling up and gets there, and so uh, the uh, the DK plant begins to pump out ammunition. That is that is what is now being fabricated. What is so funny? They're just pumping. They're just pumping out <laughs> ammunition, man. <laughs> it's just. Oh, I swear that you put that in there. I did not. I didn't. I didn't. I'm an oh, idiot. That's terrible. Uh, anywho. <laughs> Let's just keep on rolling with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so the plant was converted to make ammunition for England's war effort. And like most countries during World Wars, um, women had to pick up the slack because you had so many, uh, so much of your male population, your able-bodied male population, fighting. Yeah. Um, that... Like oh, Rosie, Rosie the Riveter. Rosie the Riveter, yeah, yeah obviously. The, the uh, World War II. Um, and specifically in, in the U.S. Yeah. Uh, but you also had in England and in World War I, um, a similar thing was taking place. Uh, women's were the ones who took charge in the factories. And women had always been in factory work since the, like, the beginning of the Industrial Revolution, but you definitely had the separation of what was considered men's work yeah. Which is like a lot of the harder labor, manual labor jobs. And then women's work, um, which included more of like, um, you had the women that were like working mills and sewing machines yeah. and like textile factories. Yeah. You had the women uh, painting watches. All the girls that um, died of radiation poisoning from yeah. painting the glow-in-the-dark watches with yes. uranium before anybody knew what ra- uranium really did outside of glow-in-the-dark. It's unfortunate. Yeah. Um, so World War One kind of threw all that all the way out the window. Like women were working the same jobs as men just because they needed the bodies. Like they needed the people yeah. that could do it. All hands on deck. <clears throat> and, uh, fun fact, uh, women who worked in ammunition factories like, uh, Dick Kerr, DK, DK. uh, were called munitionettes. Okay. So there's that. That, nice. That's a little thing. Now, working in factories sucked, and <laughs> working in a factory still sucks, but, like... Has, hasn't gotten much has, easier. Hasn't gotten, like, a ton easier, but at least now, like, working in a factory isn't quite to the same extent of your life expectancy will be shortened because you work here. Yeah. Like it was at the turn of the century and in the 1800s and all that stuff. Um, and kind of getting towards, like, later in the war, plant output was lagging behind a little bit and also there was like are we going to win this war um the body count was starting to really be recognized by how people and just how many people england lost in world war one um which was just they called it the war to end all wars like like they said like there's never going to be a war like this again just because of of how many people were lost and maimed and injured in in horrible ways um so perhaps concerned that women had taken on such dangerous work and also perhaps partly because morale and the factory output were low, um, the, the government started to send these welfare supervisors okay. to oversee the people at the plants yeah. um, and uh, make sure that they were 
you know, like, I guess abiding by some, like, imaginary health code, like, or, or not, like, imaginary, but the, the health standards to the day. Let's be real, there weren't any health standards <laughs> back then. <laughs> you could do enough. literally whatever you wanted. <laughs> you want to lick this uranium lollipop? You go right ahead. Um, that, uh, to oversee the, the employees' well-being and also encourage some, like, sporting activities. Okay. That was, like, kind of meant to boost morale. Yeah. Um, and so what became a very, like, fast favorite of a lot of the ammunition factories, the munitionettes, yeah. uh, was soccer. Or football. Naturally. As they called it. They didn't call it football. They didn't call it football. It was, it was fo- They called football. it football. Yeah. <laughs> football might. <laughs> you what? <laughs> Uh, we're not English. We shouldn't do that. But no, I will. We, I will absolutely we will do that. Do it. If you're English and you're <laughs> listening to this podcast, hello. <clears throat> um. So, uh, perhaps like as a natural result of having men and women both working in the same place, because there were still men that worked at the factory too. Yeah. Um, and uh, of them working and then also like playing soccer in the same space. They, uh, the women and the men in the factory decided they were going to have a game against each other, like Ooh, ladies versus dudes. Battle of the sexes. And the women won. <laughs> yeah, of course they uh, to the To the extent that one office administrator that was watching the game at the time, his name was Alfred Franklin. Okay. Uh, he allegedly said, I tell you what, this lot could fill Deepdale. <laughs> What is Deepdale? Deepdale is Preston North End Stadium. Oh, um, oh no. <laughs> um, so uh, he was like, you know what? This 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 could be a thing. Like, what yeah. if I what if I advertise and actually did this? Um, but it also seemed like a pretty big bet because, like, a lot of women's clubs, the women's clubs that had existed to that point, if they're like were clubs, if you could call them that, were like novelties. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> so. Franklin went ahead and helped organize a game against the women of the Arundel Colt Hard Factory on Christmas Day, uh, which the Dick Kerr ladies won four to nothing. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, you filthy animal. Merry Christmas. Uh, the Daily Post ran the following on the game. Dick oh. Kerrs were not long in showing that they suffered less than their opponents from stage fright, and they had a better all-around understanding of the game. Their forward work, indeed, was often surprisingly good. One or two of the ladies showed quite admirable ball control. Uh, I mean... Why you, you you look at me like that? Expect, <laughs> you want me to laugh at that? I mean, I mean, okay. So, so obviously it's 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 a, it's patronizing, like, uh, but also like they they legitimately surprised them. Yeah. Um, like, oh, we didn't know you could. We didn't know you ladies could do this. We didn't know you women could kick a ball. Um, they should have. They should have. Um, the game saw 10,000 people attend. Wow. That was cool. Filling the stadium like Franklin had predicted. Game tickets were sold with proceeds going to help the continued treatment of wounded soldiers. And uh, from the game, the Dick Kerr ladies raised 600 pounds, which... When adjusted for inflation, would be around today, fifty thousand pounds. Um, what did they raise it for? For like for wounded soldiers. Okay. So like a lot of their proceeds were going to help 
uh, help medical costs and the treatment of, of soldiers coming back from war. Yeah. Um, and the Dick Curladies kind of became like these like stars. Um, they, or at least they were becoming much more well-known. Yes. Um, some of the foremost stars at forward, Flory Redford. Winger, Lily Parr, who was 15. <laughs> she oh, was 15 man. years old. Again, with Working the child in, labor laws. Yeah. yeah. Um, there was midfielder Jenny Harris, defender and captain Alice Kell, uh, defender Jesse Walmsley. Um, although a lot of these players became um, household names, uh, especially, uh, I, I believe, Lily Parr was particularly... Or, no, 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 no. Uh, yeah, Lily Parr? It was either Lily Parr or Jenny Harris that became, like particularly famous like well known like like people around the country for soccer yeah yeah just for playing for being good at the game yeah um uh franklin the guy that was kind of managing and organizing all the games yeah he kept the pipeline going uh by (laughs) i I can't believe the story uh kept the pipeline coming by offering employment to underage girls in Preston and offering them like benefits and time off in addition to training and playing with the DK ladies uh, in order to keep the women on top. And it worked. Like there was, there was no teams in England that were like holding the torch to the Dick Kerr ladies football club. Um, It's kind of like an academy system, but like when like, the good old days when exploitation and child labor yeah. weren't so taboo. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it like yeah, so it feels a little grimy, definitely. But also, if you baited on this team, you were probably in better shape than a lot of people. Yeah, the the establishment of uh, the prominence of, of women's soccer in the the British Isles. I I, I do. And when I was like looking at all this stuff, one thing I did not find was how did this benefit Franklin? Because because you know that the guy that was organizing this, he had to be getting something. Like he was definitely skimming some money off the top, or getting raises from the factory for what he was doing, because all the proceeds, or at least the vast majority of the proceeds that the 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 ladies generated, yeah, that the women generated were like almost all of it went to charity like all the time yeah that's too bad the- <laughs> it should have it gone to it should have been like a, a trust fund set up for um what eventually would become the um the english women's national team <laughs> oh we'll get to them oh nice oh the story fast forwards um not here though um <laughs> when world war one was coming to a close um the dick Kerr ladies were clearly the best team in england like it wasn't even it wasn't close and they were better than many of the men's team they faced off as against as well like they yeah. were, they were they would play men's teams and win yeah they, they just would um so searching for a new challenge um organizer franklin um set up a couple of games against a team from france um okay. the first game happening um up north in the north of england where uh the the plant was located and where a lot of these women were from um in that first game, uh, the DK ladies won, uh, but a second game was scheduled okay. and made them even more famous, even though they lost, because they played it at Stamford Bridge in London. Oh, wow. So they went and took on this French team in Stamford Bridge. The ladies actually lost 2-1 to one 
um, after midfielder Jenny Harris was knocked unconscious by a French player early on, and apparently they didn't have any substitutes. <laughs> so they okay. played the entire game with 10 people. <laughs> okay. And they lost 2-1. to one. I respect um, it. Uh, particularly uh, the, uh, the captain, um, Alice Kell. Yes, Alice Kell was kind of like displeased with it, and she was she she basically gave a couple interviews that suggested like I don't think we wanted it enough, <laughs> like, like I don't think we had enough grit. Um, the very next game, <laughs> the ladies played against like a kind of like an all star like rest of Britain team, yeah. and they won nine to one. Oh wow! <laughs> they just like crushed absolute domination. Um. After playing at Stamford Bridge against the French team and then playing the couple games, um, the ladies actually went to France for a tour. Uh, so they uh, had a four-game tour, and they won three of the games. Uh, or no, no, no. They drew three games, won the last one. Okay. Um, they played in Paris. Like, there was a... And, and they kind of... Especially at this time, they were becoming a really big deal, basically. Like, yeah. they became very popular... Um, both in England and in France, as these people that as as a great team, like yeah, <clears throat> I'm sure for a lot of people there was still like the novelty um, slash like the kind of sexist like oh look at these women playing they're trying playing the football yeah really patronizing but but they be- had kind of become like a legitimate like sensation in a way yeah um, which kind of led to their most famous game, which was a match on Boxing Day, 1920. Right on. Right love on. Bo- love Boxing Day. Right on. Um, so this was about three years after the first game that they had against um, the Coulthard Stadium, or the Coulthard Factory, uh, which occurred on Christmas Day when they had 10,000 people at Deepdale. Yeah. Um, about three years later, Boxing Day, yeah. They played against St. Helens Ladies in Liverpool at Goodison Park. Wow. The game drew 53,000 people. Wow. And 10 to 14,000 other people were turned away. Jeez. Because because there was not enough room. <laughs> they just couldn't fit all of these people. Yeah, that's wild. Um 1920. 53,000 people attended a women's soccer game in England. Wow. That is, that is incredible. That is, that is, I mean, how many people are showing up to World, World Cup games? How many people are showing up to Goodison Park for Everton games? Yeah, that is true. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, so, yeah. Um, and the Dick Kerr ladies won the game. 4 nothing. Alice Kell. Uh, the captain notched a second half hat trick. Wow! Despite the fact she she played fullback, but she was also apparently a really good center forward. So, so she just kind of like she did it all. Did whatever. Yeah. Um, over the course of their existence, the Dick Kerr ladies not only became like household names in England, um, but they raised in total over seventy thousand pounds for injured soldiers. Um, disadvantaged children and other charitable efforts that figure would exceed 14 million pounds today yeah it's insane 
And they did all of that pretty much over a four to five year span. Because in 1921, the English FA. Yes. <laughs> Which, here, here it comes. Team, guys. Here it comes, right? You know? It's always like, here it comes. Yeah. The English FA. Oh, w- one other thing that I, that I forgot to mention, because it occurs. The games against the French teams uh-huh. were considered, like, basically the first international women's games. Wow. Like, that, that's kind of, like, considered where it started. Yeah. In 1921, basically, like, a month or two, like a couple months after the 53,000 attendance game. Yeah. Um, the English FA, citing concerns that the game was too rough for women. Oh, no. Uh, and they, they were, they were, the reason that they gave for this was literally like, like, it's unbecoming for the ladies to participate in the rough sport. To to be to be the people that are that are that are doing this, it, it's unsightly. We don't want it. Um, more probably, a lot of people were kind of feeling threatened in terms of the popularity, their popularity, when it and how it compared to like a lot of the men's teams. Yeah. The English FA in 1921 banned women's soccer from any FA sanctioned stadiums. Jeez. So. They can't, I mean, like, they can't, like, ban you from playing, but if you were a soccer team, yeah. so, say, Preston North End, yeah. that was playing in a league that was overseen by the, the Football Association, yeah. and you hosted a women's football game, you would get sanctioned. And, like, the threat of getting kicked out of your league was there. Um, it, it basically, like, torched any and all momentum that the women had because... Um, any women's team that was there, that was, like, around, yeah. they weren't getting any support, and they had to play either in, like, completely amateur or non-sanctioned grounds, so you're limiting the amount of people that can see you, um, and it kind of just, like, made the popularity go away completely. Like, yeah. almost completely artificially, too. Like, the women became popular on their own, and... Wow it took a rule saying that they couldn't play to stop them. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all. Uh, <laughs> Imagine that, that. Yeah. Imagine that. A bunch of men felt uncomfortable that the women were so popular, and they made a rule. Oh, gosh, I don't know how you didn't throw up when you are telling me that. That's just... <laughs> um, so... After a, a brief tour of the United States in 1922, um, in which, from what I could tell, they played nine games against all men's teams and won six of them. Wow. <laughs> uh, there was actually an interview with um, a guy that was playing on like the U.S. Open Cup championship team at the time. That was one of the teams that beat them. Yeah. And he was just like, they gave us a hell of a time. <laughs> like, like, like they're, they're so good. Um Jeez. But they, the Dick Kerr ladies kind of faded into obscurity and then the team eventually folds. Um, and uh, that's, that's the way it goes. The ban that the FA had yeah. on uh, women's soccer in FA, in FA sanctioned stadiums was not lifted until 1969. Okay. The FA didn't really officially fund any international women's team until 1993. 
today, 2019, fast yeah. forward. England's women's team has qualified for the quarterfinals of the World Cup. Meanwhile, uh, reigning women's Ballon d'Or winner Ada Hegerberg has boycotted her national team, Norway, even as they are also still in the World Cup quarterfinals yeah. over unfair and unequal treatment of the women's team as compared to Norway's men's team. Yeah. Uh, the United States, who are the reigning World Cup champions, have sued their federation on similar grounds. Um, and in total, nine players at the World Cup play their club ball with the Portland Thorns. Tobin Heath, Lindsey Horan, Emily Sana, and Adriana French of the USA, Caitlin Ford, Haley Rosso, and Ellie Carpenter from Australia, and Andresinha from Brazil, yeah. and Christine Sinclair from Canada. The Portland Thorns fan group is known as the Rose City Riveters, a play on the city's nickname, the Rose City, and Rosie the Riveter, an American propaganda figure turned cultural icon representing the women who worked in factories during a different world war, World War II. One of the most enduring American images of all time, Rosie is commonly seen flexing her bicep with a speech bubble, we can do it, above her head. Yeah. Comes all full circle. That's a really cool story. It's and it's it's so it's so frustrating. Yeah, especially when you think about where women's soccer could be today, right? If not for the laws of men who are uncomfortable sometimes. Literally, <laughs> literally, like every single like you you hear the arguments against like women's sports are like oh nobody cares, and it's and you you hear the people say like oh nobody cares about women's sports because nobody like because because they're not as good as men or 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 because they're not as like naturally gifted as men the game isn't as fast or whatever or something like that when that is like never proven itself to be the case of like why a league gets popular the only reason running through like the common threads running through of why leagues get popular yeah are how much money is put into it? Yeah. And if it gets advertised. Yeah. Because every league, baseball, football, whatever, lot, like just started out losing so much money. When the NFL started the XFL. out. The, <laughs> he hate <I> me. Mean, <laughs> <laughs> no, but like when when the NFL started doing the Super Bowl, like it was still in a period of time and and professional football for the longest time was not nearly as popular as college football. Yeah, everybody was super into college football, yeah. and when they said professional football, that like those leagues were losing money for forever, and it just took people still putting money into it with the belief that eventually this will become popular and make money, and and it did. Yeah, yeah, I it is a testament to to all the hard work that the women and and some men helping all the teams today. Um, like all the hard work that they put in to to be where they're at now because i mean and to continue whole, doing it yeah, yeah their whole lives um they've been against because crazy odds um just because of the way that society and culture has set up these women to to, to fail. fail to fail <laughs> you know? straight up so and, and you see like uh, like there was this whole big to do where people were after one of norway's games you saw like Alexi Lawless and a bunch of other people in like the Fox like panel, and yeah. they were all just like ripping into Ada Hegerberg for like not playing in the World Cup. 
and they were like, oh, like, like, it's like, it's selfish. Like the the best way to say something is to say it on the field, and, and yeah. like clearly it's not. It's such an Alexi Lawless. It's thing such to an say. <laughs> The best thing to do if you want to make a point, boys and girls, <laughs> is to put your foot onto someone's throat on the soccer field. <laughs> oh man. Well, I'm. Thank you for telling that story um, in honor of um, the, current, women, the Women's World Cup. The current Women's World Cup um, out there fighting the good fight. Um, hopefully this story touches the lives of a couple people. <laughs> All two people that are listening to it, if you've made it this that far. That was a really Mr. Rogers way to end that. That was a good one. Next time you get uh, to tell me the story. Uh, yes, next, next time, next time, be, uh, next time you come up with a story and... Uh, and I will, I will react. Yes. Real, real YouTube react hours. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah, anything else? Anything else you want to say? I Any, think. Anything else you want to throw out there to the people? I mean, um, yeah, pray for Manchester United. Pray. Um, Prayers up. Paul Pogba to Atlanta United, confirmed. Paul, Paul Pogba to Atlanta United, confirmed. Um, yeah, uh, Ole Gunnar Sol- Solskjaer, um, First manager sacked this upcoming Premier League season. Is is that a is that a predict? Yeah, like like a hot take. That's a hot take. That's a real hot take to end it on. But but I'm into it. I just had to I had to get it out. I had to get it out there. Um, Hopefully uh, this will be up shortly on wherever you get podcasts. Yeah, yeah. Um, If you want to follow Drew and his stuff, Uh, yeah, my uh, Twitter and Instagram handles are. At Drew underscore Snavely, S N A V E L Y. Um, but a much more interesting follow would be Adam <laughs> because he's actually providing you um, quality soccer content almost every day. If you would, basically every day. If you would like to follow me, I am at Snaves on Twitter, S N A V E S. Uh, I am. If you if you want to follow something that like typically has nothing to do with soccer, my Instagram is it's snaves i t s s n a v e s. And uh, if you're interested in uh, writing for me, uh, I write for the Athletic Soccer. Um, it is uh, a a company that is not sponsoring this comp- this podcast <laughs> uh, because it literally just came into existence. They could sponsor us. It though. could they could sponsor us though. <laughs> hey George. <laughs> Instead of texting me pictures of your wide-legged pants all the time, how about you sponsor my podcast? It just got real weird. Sorry for <laughs> the five of you who are still listening to this. Um, I write for The Athletic Soccer. Uh, it is a fun resource. And if you buy a subscription to The Athletic Soccer, which it is a subscription-based service, um, you get ad-free articles, uh, podcasts, videos uh, that they all host and sponsor on their site slash app. Once you pay for one, you get access to literally all of it. So they have a ton of sports. Soccer, basketball, football, hockey, um, a lot of things. You can customize your app feed, a lot of different cool things, and they pay me money to write for them, which is uh, delightfully kind. Um, So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you're interested in my stuff, you can find a lot of it there. Worth the subscription, I, I would recommend. And I don't. I pay for a subscription. I yeah. I don't Drew didn't, get, I don't Drew didn't get, get a Drew didn't get a freebie. I don't get free anything. Uh, there's no nepotism uh, up in here. I guess it's not really nepotism. 
No, no handouts here. No handouts. <laughs> that sounds like another Alexi Lawless thing. Yeah. No, no handouts that was here. A, that, was a, that, was a, that was a good uh, athletic plug, though. So. A good athletic plug. Yeah. Hey, I'm here for the athletic plugs. <laughs> um, but we are the Dead Ball Brothers. Dead Ball Brothers. Catch us sometime in the future. Hopefully. Thank you for enduring our very first episode. Thank you so the much. The sound of the fan in the background and our occasionally <laughs> bumping the camera or the, the, the table. Um, any bad audio and practices because guess what we've never done this before never ever so um hopefully in the future it'll be better uh but if you stick around and you like the content uh, you get to go on that journey with us you get to be with us so i mean you're you're an og for listening to this episode og for life og for life and we love you with that signing off peace peace